welcome back to another episode of Sartorial Splendor. We are still here, and I have a very special guest with me today. I am super excited for him to be here. Great. Um, hi, I am Gids, and I am a fragrance lover. <laughs> and um, I also have my own YouTube channel where I discuss fragrances, um, a bit of style as well, and um, other pursuits as well. And I also have my own Instagram, which I really enjoy kind of showcasing a bit of my life in London, stuff I get up to, uh, mostly like fragrances, um, luxury style and other bits as well. <laughs> That's me. See, really, he's a perfect choice for me to have on here for Sartorial <laughs> Splendor, just because it's like, like all the things I like, he likes. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we've been a little fragrance heavy which i mean you like fragrance as well but yes. um if you follow gids over on instagram you'll see a lot of his adventures around london especially i'm so envious that you get to go to like harrods or selfridges oh, whenever God. you want because we don't have anything like that in la i know i hear that a lot people always say oh i wish we could have a harrods or a selfridges or yeah i mean we we have department stores but they are not <laughs> nearly of the same caliber and in LA the closest like we have nothing as far as like what hairs or selfridges has with like fragrance mm -hmm. the closest mm -hmm. we have for getting any kind of like niche fragrances lucky scents and yes they have two locations in LA but it's not nearly as you know pomp and grandeur as Harrods and selfridges and the other stores you have we don't have a penhaligans here and <laughs> I'm so envious oh, oh you don't have a penhaligans in not that I've been able to find. If they're here, they are hiding themselves very well because oh, I'd have oh. been all over that. <laughs> Do you know what's so interesting is um, growing up, if you sort of are from London, Harrods is such a store with such history and prestige and this kind of, this whole sort of image behind it. And it's only until I got a lot older that I and got more into fragrances and luxury that I really truly appreciated kind of the heritage and the beauty and splendor of Harrods and Selfridges and mm -hmm. Masons. And it's even myself for many years, I thought, wow, I live in London and I don't really take advantage of these incredible historic department stores. And um, yeah. <laughs> well, before we get too further into how envious I am that you get to go do all <laughs> this, um, why don't we go ahead and do a quick uh, scent check? So what sure. were you wearing today? Okay, so today I was wearing um, Wisteria and Lavender, which is a fragrance from Jo Malone from their Lavender uh, collection, which is a limited range. And I layered that with Molecule 01 as well. Some ISOE super. Um, yes. Do you, I know you do wear watches. Did you happen to have a watch on today? I did. I had my trusted watch, which is a Citizen EcoDrive. Nice. Um, which, yeah. Love that watch. So uh, speaking of Penhaligans, I'm actually wearing Terrible Teddy from their Portraits collection. Nice. And then uh, my watch is an Oris um, rectangular date. So that's what I've got on right now. It's a nice little special occasion because I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, nice. I've, I've, no, I was listening to your last podcast and a couple before, and it was really interesting to um, hear how much, um, how passionate you are about watches as well. It's like, ooh. That's quite interesting, yeah. I adore everything about horology. It just happens mm. to be that perfumery is and I relatively far more affordable <laughs> going after <laughs> the watches I like. Yes, 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 of course. You know, there's I, people listening to this who are like, what, fragrance is affordable? It's like, yes, in comparison to like a Patek what? Philippe or an Audemars Piguet is Absolutely. by far and away. It's interesting. I, I'm not the biggest watch connoisseur, but I can appreciate when I see a beautiful timepiece. I'm like, wow, that is a gorgeous watch. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I mean, you look at like uh, Jacob and Co, the Astronomia, you can buy a house for the cost of how much one of those goes yeah. for. Yeah. But I Absolutely. still want one because they're just gorgeous pieces and so well made. Of course, of course, of course. That That is the dream. <laughs> I mean, I could get a house in L.A. for the price of one of those watches. That's saying something. I know, I know, I know, I know. I hear you, but, but they are beautiful. They are beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of 
the more sartorial components as like I like to refer to them, they aren't necessarily cheaper. I mean, there's a lot of things you could buy that are far more affordable, but I don't think they have the same quality behind them. Yes, absolutely. And I think when it comes to, this is the interesting thing about luxury and sort of things which are, you know, splendor and, and, and things that are quite very luxurious is you have to really appreciate it. It's how it makes you feel. That's something mm-hmm. I've, I've come to realize as I've gotten older is, Everything is the value you place on it. Some people look at that and think, oh, what a ridiculous amount of money to spend on a watch. But you will look at that in such a different way because you appreciate the craftsmanship, the way it was made, um, the luxury behind it and how it makes you feel ultimately as well. Exactly. And that's what we like to think sartorial means for us on this podcast. It's like it's those intangible pieces that you add on to you know, your overall wardrobe or even your wardrobe that make you feel mm. like you can take on the world, make you feel, you know, like I'm standing taller, my chest is puffing out, I'm confident, I'm, you know, yes. I feel like I'm my best self. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, yeah, as I said, I think as I've gotten older, I've definitely learned to appreciate those things more and more because we all like beautiful things that make us feel special. And it's also, I'm not saying that there aren't more affordable watches that aren't good quality. Obviously, you know, we've got the Casio's very good heritage behind them. Um, Seiko's very good heritage behind them. You can find more affordable pieces that are absolutely still good quality. Mm. But, you know, there's still a difference between the Vacheron Constantine and the um, Patek Philippe's and the Rolexes that what you said is like you had it has to make you feel a certain way otherwise it's it is hard to justify the price on that yeah absolutely and it's true i mean it's the same with fragrance um if you to some people i mean as you get more into your like fragrance journey as i have as well i mean there was a point where spending more than i don't know 100 pounds or 150 pounds on a fragrance just seemed absolutely absurd mm-hmm. and ludicrous but then there comes a point where you know, you start to see it in a different way. You appreciate the the artistry behind the perfumery, the uniqueness, um, the quality of the fragrance, if it's something you think is of a higher quality. But yeah, I think it's it's something which is, yeah, about your perception um, on your own sort of personal journey as well. Exactly. And like you said, how it makes you feel when you're wearing it. Um, you know, I have my quote unquote cheapies. I love Burberry Brit for men. Oh, um, I love that, yeah. It's an easy go-to, like, I really don't want to mess around with what I'm wearing. It's just an easy reach I can grab, and it's still a quality fragrance. But, you know, I also have surge-off fragrances like Aram from the Kimmy Blending Magic line that was not cheap, but I'm going to wear it for a special occasion when I want to feel a certain way. Yes, and that is, guess I guess, what you're paying for with the whole idea of a luxury mm-hmm. um, experience or a luxury product is the way it makes you feel, like you said. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you live in London, so you also have Savile Row down there. Um, yes. And it's this thing, like, I'm really big on, like, I think there is nothing better in the world than a good tailored suit. Yes. I adore suits. And yes. it is my biggest pet peeve that pe- that the U.S. style of suits has gained so much cultural traction because it is just this literal off the rack. It kind of fits, so it's fine. It's shapeless. It's boxy. I'll wear it. It's fine. It's no big deal. And I'm like, this is the worst possible way to wear a suit. Yeah. And I hate that in the United States, that's just kind of like the de facto that's what I'm going to grab. It's like, it's not even, it, I prefer the British style of how a suit is structured over the Italian style. I like more structure uh-huh. in suits, but even the Italian style is tailored. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, it's so interesting. I think when you see a well-tailored suit and obviously we have Savile Row and the traditions of, of tailoring at Savile Row are quite, you know, quite well known around the world. But when you see a well-tailored suit, it's like nothing else. And I mean, mm-hmm. one day I've always said, when I can afford <laughs> a Savile Row suit, I will 100% get myself one made from Savile Row. Because I think there's nothing like having a tailored bespoke suit made for you. There's something really special about that. 
Oh, I am in the exact same boat. The day I can afford a 100% bespoke suit, I am just jumping in that head first. But it still comes back to, even if you don't get as bespoke, like Savile Row Mm -hmm. quality suit, I'm still huge on the train of save up a little bit of money and go to a tailor. Don't just, oh, this Mm -hmm. fits okay. Like you have to go to a tailor if you're going to get a suit. Yes, yes, 100%. Because... I think that's obviously that's, yeah, that's the difference between those small things like getting stuff tailored, even just getting things tailored to your body in general, I think is, it's what kind of elevates your whole look that much mm-hmm. more. And people can always see when something fits you impeccably. There's just a different way that it falls on the body, the way it drapes, the way it kind of, it almost just makes you look very refined, very elegant, and just like it was made for you in a way, which is always nice. Oh, absolutely. I have a great relationship with a tailor. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma and I still have a great relationship with a tailor in Oklahoma that anytime um, I buy blue jeans, I get get my jeans tailored, my blue jeans. I get my blue jeans tailored. I am that (laughs) of the level of like, I want them to look like they're made for me. Yes. And I think um, once you're used to tailoring your clothes and having Mm -hmm. them fit a certain way, you kind of sort of stay with that because you know, how you like to look and how you like things to fit. And I was saying this to a friend recently is I think even in the UK, I've seen this and I don't mean this to offend anyone, but I think there is almost a trend to kind of, not because of what's happening with this pandemic, but even before that to be a little bit sloppy with the way that we kind of present ourselves with our clothing, things like wearing stuff that fits you accordingly. And I'm not saying you need to go out and spend an extravagant amount of money but just like you said small things like getting things tailored going to like I don't know a a local place where you can get things to fit you properly your jeans it just makes so much more that difference that you sort of take that extra bit of care in how you sort of present yourself and how your clothes fit as well well and I think part of it here at least in the in the United States the culture over here is you grab it off the rack and you go so it's it's not the same tradition of why aren't you going to a tailor and you know if you have it, it to me it's absolutely worth it and it is not that much money unless you're just yeah. like getting a wholesale suit made for you but go to a tailor when you get some clothes and have them just do just those minor alterations that make it look like it's made for your body yes and you can actually, a lot of um, stores now actually do offer that service as well. Um, yeah. I think, I think it was Reese. Um, do you guys have Reese in the US? It's not sounding familiar, but I know like we have like Neiman Marcus and some other department okay. stores that have started offering. Like if you buy from us, we'll yeah. tailor it for you for a highly discounted price. Yeah. And even sometimes for for, for free. Um, yeah. That as well. I mean, my thing is I've, as I've gotten older is I've tried to, it's not even about getting older, it's just whatever. I try to buy the best for what I can afford. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, going to, like you said, um, certain outlets, for example, like um, I like Paul Smith. That's one of the brands I really like. And we have a big outlet in Oxford and they have the Paul Smith there. And you can literally find stuff there for 80% off. And I'm telling you, the first time I bought like a Paul, uh, Paul Smith pair of trousers, I was like, wow, like the quality is just <laughs> on mm-hmm. a different level. And I always get sort of nice compliments from people saying, oh, that, that's really nice. Where's it from? And things like that. So, yeah. Well, I also think when you start prioritizing quality, you start mm-hmm. prioritizing that over quantity. And I think it also makes you more mindful about what you are buying because you don't make so many Kind of like, oh, well, it's just here and it's only this amount of money, so I'll just grab it. I think it makes you a more mindful consumer in the sense of I'm researching this and I'm looking up what the best quality is and I want this at the best price for me. So you're more mindful about what you're spending your money on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think exactly. I think for me, like you said, it's quality. Definitely is quality over quantity. And even recently I was doing a purge of my wardrobe and I kind of looked at the stuff I have in my wardrobe and I thought, you know, I've really sort of changed the way that I purchase now. I'm definitely more mindful and yeah, good quality, the quality. You can see how when you have, when you wash certain items or have them dry cleaned, whatever it is you you do to maintain them, you can see how they hold up. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely realized a difference between spending that little bit extra 
and having a few great pieces than sort of having lots of pieces and the quality not being so great. Absolutely. Well, you, you mentioned hold up the durability is by far and away compared to, and I'm not really trying, I'm knocking fast fashion a little bit, but the fast fashion quality, how durable it is, is just nowhere even in the same ballpark as how long a good quality item will last you. You know, a good quality suit will last you the rest of your life. Yes. Yes. Or, you know, bespoke shoes that you take to a collar. Those will last you for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I bought some really beautiful leather shoes. I think it was in Spain that were made by when I was in on holiday a few years back. Um, it's just like a local um, store and they make everything there. It's like a little family. And these shoes have lasted me and they are so comfortable and so well made. Fortunately, they were very affordable, but it made me realize the quality. If you buy good quality, it will hold up really well. It'll hold up very well. And also they tend to be more um, timeless in that they work in whatever the current trend is. Yes. You know, because fashion, you know, especially fast fashion, it changes so frequently and it's designed to Mm. make you to buy constantly. But Mm. you, you go for the more timeless pieces. You go for the quality pieces. Those will hold up regardless of what the current trend is. Those will always be more in fashion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so do you, when you shop, do you go for like more of a, um, like a capsule type of wardrobe or? It's changed. Like I said, I grew up in Oklahoma and the weather there, you could have a wardrobe for four seasons, but I've been in LA for about eight years now and we have like one and a half seasons. So I've really had to modulate my wardrobe over the years to kind of better adapt the weather and then I also you know I started working out about four years ago and my body shape drastically changed so I've also had to start working in you know I am much slimmer and my shoulders are much broader now so I've had to kind of work my wardrobe in as far as like those changes go so it's really just kind of adapting to what is the best quality I can get for where my body is going to be and what I can wear in these circumstances. That's really interesting. Cause I think as well, the relationship you have with your body is very interesting because you, as you get um, kind of understand your style, you know, what kind of works for your, mm. you know, obviously if you're working out, your body's changing, but I think there comes a point where you start to know what looks good on you, what you feel confident wearing, what is flattering for your, your body type. Um, which is really interesting as well. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I've noticed. I, I tend to, my style is not necessarily feminine. Obviously, I love suits. Um, <laughs> yeah. But my style is far more like if if there is a suit, I want it. If it's, I love button-down shirts. I love them. I adore yeah. button-down shirts. Uh, I have to get them tailored now because my shoulders are too broad for a standard fit. But yeah. I adore button-down shirts. I adore very structured pants um i I, like i said when i earlier in the episode i like highly structured pieces Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i also think it works a little bit better with my body type as it's changed yeah over the years especially for women if you are active and you're very fit and especially if you lift weights i think you really want to look at those a you're going to need tailoring because most of the shirts aren't going to fit you in your shoulders B, you need tailoring because you have far more definition in your legs than what normal fashion is making for you. And C, any type of structuring is really going to still accentuate your femininity. Mm -hmm. And the tailoring is how you're going to find that. So tailor, 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 if you're (laughs) an active woman. Absolutely. Can I just say, though, I think... A tailored suit on a woman looks impeccable. Because um, I was saying this to my sister, because she was saying she prefers to wear dresses and skirts to work. And I was saying, but there's something about a woman in a beautiful suit. I said, wear, obviously, wear what you feel comfortable wearing, but mm-hmm. don't be afraid to wear a suit. Because she's, she's very, typically very feminine in the way she presents herself. But that look on a female, I think, looks amazing. 
It looks amazing and it radiates. I own myself and I own my own femininity and my own power. I will say women with suits, 100% of the time, you have to go to a tailor. Women cannot buy suits and not go to a tailor. Otherwise, uh, you're going to look like a potato. Men's tailored suits are not made for women, especially like in the hips. Mm. And it looks, I can always tell when a woman's bought a men's suit off the rack and that's what they're wearing. And I know I sound snobbish, but I'm like, women, you do not look as good as you're wanting to look until you've got Mm. to go to a tailor and you have to go to a tailor that knows how to work with women's bodies. Yes. Or, you know, if, if you're gender queer, like you have to go to somebody who knows how to work besides a designated male at birth, you know, body. Yeah. 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 I agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, you know, I'm sorry, ladies, our hips are differently. They fit in suits differently and they have to be tailored. Otherwise, we look like somebody tried to shove a pair into a highly expensive pair of wool flacks. They're yeah. not made for our body type. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. There are some brands that can do it better. Like, I think in the UK, we are quite fortunate because there are a range of different like brands, high street to premium high street as well um, yeah there's a, a woman's oh i forgot her name there's a woman who has a, her own shop on savile row that oh. she specializes in suits for women okay need to find need to find out who that is yeah if you hear me typing that's because i'm trying to look it up oh <laughs> you're looking it up as we speak okay but yeah no it's interesting um i i can gormley and gamble that's who it is Gormley and Gamble. Uh, Gormley and Gamble on Savile Row. I'm going to make a note of that. Gormley and Gamble. Interesting. Yeah, um, tailoring cannot be um, underestimated. Good tailoring, good cut suit. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Completely mm-hmm. agree. Completely agree. I, I mean, th- we may as well just call this the why you should get a tailor episode, but... <laughs> Just tailoring, you really need to find, y'all, if you're wanting to feel your best in the clothing you buy and I think get the most out of it and learn how to be more discerning of like what I can do with my body is Mm. find and make a relationship with a tailor. And that tailor is going to know your body, not biblically, but know your body and how it changes about maybe even better than your partner. Yes, absolutely. And I think even if you look at um, fashions, and historically, a lot of people, especially more affluent people, what they would usually do, even when they have, you know, their custom stuff made, would have have everything fitted to the body. You know, if you think of historically, like like couture, and how a lot of the clients would come in, and they would even have um, their own, what do you call them, like those dummies? Um, obviously, if they were more affluent and established, but everything would be fitted to them. Um, you have your fittings, you'd have that piece made for you. And it was like, I guess, like a second skin in a way, which was mm-hmm. quite special. Yeah. But it also, I, I do think I, we would be remiss in saying when you do start to have those pieces that are made for you, you have to match them with the appropriate accoutrement. <laughs> yes, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is something like I see guys, at least in the U.S., that they'll go and get a suit and they may even go tailor the suit so it fits them better. But then like the shoes are not appropriate at all. Yeah. <laughs> or like they didn't do anything with the hair. And I'm like, why? No, 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 no. It, this has to be an all. It's an all in thing. If you're going to spend your time and your money on getting something that fits you, why are you not going to go all the way with it? Yeah. Well, that's what I meant about, I think, in, even in the UK, like people, yes, people are, are stylish in London. There's a lot of style and, and stuff and it's, it's quite cool and there is different styles. But sometimes I, I think we are becoming a little bit sloppy, like you said. I, I think when everything pulls together, it looks great. The shoes, when you've just made that bit of effort, for example, like where where I work sometimes, I've noticed that some of my colleagues, um, we have a particular dress code and it's a loose dress code, 
But when I sort of have made that bit of extra effort, I always feel more professional and in sort of, like I'm being taken more seriously, but I've noticed a few of my colleagues who just sort of can't be bothered. And in a way, it kind of makes me a bit sad. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, there's a certain element to style in general and, you know, especially in Fragcom or the fragrance community of, um, how do I say this, pickup artistry? Where it seems to be like, this is the silver bullet that's going to get you all the compliments and all the ladies' attention. And, you know, from the female perspective, you're just like, no, that's not how that works. Mm, mm, mm. You know, it has to be the entire package. It's not just like, oh, if I wear Blue de Chanel, then the ladies are going to fall all over me. Or, oh, if I wear this pair of Yeezys, then obviously the ladies are going to love me because I'm wearing Yeezys. It's, mm. it's an entire package, you know, and That's it's something I think women, we kind of have culturally understood because it was beaten into us of like, everything has to be in order, but mm. there's this thing um, with men in fashion sometimes where I'm kind of like, no, you, you have a component of it, <laughs> but mm. there's still steps one through 20 you need to <laughs> work on. Yeah. That's a good point. I think men do get off the hook a lot more than women. I think there is definitely more um, pressure put on women in terms of their appearance. And that you're right. I sometimes, um, one of my favorite things to do is just to, to watch people and watch how people dress and interact. And sometimes I'll be out somewhere and, and, I'll, and I'll look at how the lady is well put together. And then I'll look at the gentleman, the, the gentleman that, that they're with. And, you know, it's, Sometimes, not always, but there are <laughs> a few things that could they could work on, you know, the kind of the whole look. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think sometimes men sort of think they can just throw something together. Not all men, but a lot of men do wear a certain fragrance, like you said, or a certain item or even a certain watch. And it kind of just, it's the whole look. Well, uh, I mean, they have done studies. They have done studies of what women respond to more favorably with statistically if you look put together mm -hmm. women will give you more attention than if you are more physically attractive and not put together oh how interesting because when you're put together that's telling us oh i'm not potentially dating a man child you know how to dress yourself you know how to pick outfits out i'm not going to be a mom in this relationship that makes sense that makes a lot of sense but I, I mean, I'm not saying the fragrance isn't a part of it. Obviously, we don't, you know, women, anybody enjoys somebody who smells nice. Yes. But it can't be like, you can't substitute a pair of Air Jordans and like, I don't know, Dior Sauvage for a good personality. Yes, that's what I was just about to say. I think as well, yes, all these components are important, how you put a look together, etc. But yes, absolutely. Having... Um, a charming personality, knowing how to hold a conversation, mm -hmm. um, having, you know, you know, just being able to show personality is important. Absolutely. I think, I've, and also I think what's interesting is a lot of people I've seen this who like very, you know, buy expensive things because they're expensive or wear certain fragrances because they get lots of compliments, Creed Aventus or whatever. We're not going <laughs> to, I've heard you talk about that in previous episode so we'll not talk about that for now but mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we covered that with chad <laughs> but you know they kind of some sometimes people can sort of rest on having these very expensive items as the whole selling point or the package and i think i think it's more than that i think it's how you put something together how you show a bit of your personality mixed with a bit of charm and a bit of character and something a bit playful. I think that's really interesting and quite endearing, you know, when you observe a human being, I guess. Absolutely. And you know, it's a lot of little intangibles. It could just be like somebody has a regular black suit on, but they have a fun pocket square and yeah. maybe some fun little beaded bracelets and, you know, just letting a little bit of your personality show through even in places where, oh, I maybe can't wear a wild suit, but I can show my personality in this area. Yeah. And yeah. if somebody comes and talks to me, I can actually carry a conversation with them. Yes, absolutely. And, and having that sense of 
individuality is, is great as well because two people can wear the exact same suit but in different ways mm-hmm. and there are like for example one of my favorite looks which might be frowned upon is I like I think you can if you know how to put a look together you can even wear a beautiful sort of nice smart tailored suit with a nice pair of sneakers that can work if you know how to put the look together if you know the sneakers that go with it and it's yes. in the appropriate setting. I thought you were getting ready to tell me to wear a highly tailored suit top or blazer with a pair of blue jeans. And I was getting ready to be like, no, I can't. I can't go with that. No, no, no. But no, I think you could. In certain circumstances, I think it works. Definitely. definitely. But you have to be aware of the circumstances. Absolutely. So with fragrances, you mentioned about if like people wearing a certain fragrance and thinking that, that is enough. What, what's your opinion then of um, just that whole concept really of compliments, um, wearing the fragrance because you think it's going to get you the compliments? Like, what's your stance on that? I'm going to be a little uncouth here. And I think I'm going to say I think it's bullshit. Um, mm. You know, from my perspective, I'm not wearing it because I want compliments from other people. I'm wearing it because of how it makes me feel. Yes. I think if I get compliments, that's a nice side bonus, but that's not why I should be wearing it. Because if it's not making me feel a certain way or feeling good about myself, then why am I wearing it? Yeah. Why did I spend the money on it? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's just... It's always interesting because even when I'm on um, Instagram and I'm looking at different profiles, like I follow a majority of people who um, are into fragrance and, and even on YouTube, you know, the videos that get the views and the, the traction and the interest are a lot to do with most complimented. And so, I don't know, I, I guess in a way it, it can be a little bit frustrating when there's this idea that if a fragrance doesn't doesn't get lots of compliments it's it's not a great fragrance that kind of narrative that sometimes gets pushed yeah i am wholesale strongly disagree with that narrative um Mm -hmm. again like i said i'm not wearing fragrances for other people i am mindful of the situations and where i wear certain fragrances i Mm. would not wear hyrax into the office (laughs) you know I'm mindful of there are appropriate places to wear specific types of fragrance. And I think that's just being a decent, you know, thoughtful human being, but I'm not wearing a fragrance for somebody else. I'm wearing a fragrance for me. You know, Mm. like I wouldn't wear a cinnamon based fragrance around my mother because she's allergic to cinnamon. That's me being thoughtful, but how I'm picking a fragrance out for the day as you know, where am I, going to be so I'm still being polite and thoughtful and considerate to other people and then what can I wear that's going to make me feel powerful oh okay okay and have you always been that way inclined yes I would say so uh my dad is the fragrance hound in our family and I really grew up appreciating watches and fragrances with him Mm -hmm. um and part of it is because I do have scent-based migraines so there's things like white floors florals and more traditionally feminine fragrances like a lot of things from Mugler or Chloe like the more popular I can't wear just because it does give me a migraine so my dad was like okay well come with me when we go to the quote-unquote men's section and let's find what works for you and what makes you feel good because you're not wearing this to fit in with the other girls because at the time I was like oh well maybe I you know the other girls are wearing this but I couldn't wear it and my dad was like no you wear this for you and that was I remember when I was young he was like no you're wearing this for you so let's find out what you like Mm, I love that that's so empowering for your dad to have told you that Mm -hmm. quite early on yeah you see I've I, I mean I've never really cared about the compliments if I'm honest myself I've always worn fragrance for myself and I've always been I suppose very open-minded with my fragrance choices I've never cared about things like gender or if something's too floral if something's too sweet how would someone perceive this or even if someone knew this was a female fragrance like I sometimes just carry fragrances in my bag to work um and some of them are female fragrances but I've never 
I've never really thought about it until I got into this sort of fragcom world. And I mean, it is frustrating because I don't think there really should be that divide. For me, the more feminine are, you know, it's notes I can't wear mm. or notes that don't work with me. I'm a big proponent of, I think all men should try to wear Chanel number no. five because it smells amazing on y'all. But any fragrance, no fragrance is going to smell the same on two people. It's the same thing with a suit. No two people are going to wear a fragrance the same. Yes, completely so agree. if you like it, and it makes you feel good and you're not gassing everybody else out around you because you wanted to be a 20 spray person and then walked into the office like a jerk, then go for it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's so interesting. I actually, I really like Chanel number no. five. I never used to like Chanel number no. five, but recently I smelled it a few times and I'm like, I actually really like this. So I think next time I'm going to sample it and see how it works with my chemistry. Mm-hmm. I think personally, the men I know who have tried Chanel number no. five, it smells completely different on men. And part mm-hmm. of it is just because, you know, men's skin tends to be a little bit um, oilier. Ah, uh, okay. Than okay, women's. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's how it bonds to men with your body chemistry, but it's just, it smells entirely different on men than it does on women. And it, you know, the one time I did turn around to ask a guy what he was wearing, it was Chanel number no. five. Ah, that's so interesting. You know, any men who are listening to this, please don't limit what you're willing to try and see what you like based off of like, oh, this is traditionally feminine. It was like, no, it's going to smell different on you than it does on women. Just go on. I'm obviously, I'm wearing terrible Teddy. That's a quote unquote masculine scent from Penhalians. Like half my stuff is unisex or masculine. I wear it because I like it, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's exactly. And it's the same with a lot of, um, a lot of females. I think so many women smell amazing wearing like leathery fragrances mm-hmm. uh, or spicy kind of deeper. Fra- I just think they smell amazing on women as well. Just like, yeah, Chanel number no. five would smell great on a lot of guys too. It's it's really frustrating actually. I remember I was in a, a fragrance counter. I think it was like looking at just some designer fragrances, and the man kept on trying to push me over to the men's section because I started in the in women's section. I was kind of looking at what's new because I'm always sampling fragrances, which is probably bad. But I kind of like to keep up and know what's you know what's kind of coming in and what's around. Mm-hmm. And he kept on trying to push me over to the <laughs> <laughs> to the men's section to the point where I just I, I said no I, I I'm I'm happy where <laughs> where I am <laughs> he just didn't understand <laughs> I'm I'm just like dude a sale is a sale why do you care you're gonna get your commission all the same <laughs> I know he's like but do you want to try the on version sir do you want to try this version and I was like no I'm, I'm fine I'm, I'm good where I am but yeah which maybe is why I love um niche and maybe why I got more into niche because I sort of appreciate when you'd go and sample niche fragrances they would just sort of let you smell whatever and try a bit Mm -hmm. of this oh you like that which is more of a floral okay let's try this and oh you like that's a bit sweet let me what about this one or that one or and I quite enjoy kind of keeping an open mind with fragrance as well so yeah I mean I do definitely think there's more of a stigma for men who want to wear quote-unquote traditionally feminine fragrances um Mm. I think there's far more of a stigma on men who want to go and sample or see how those wear on them. I know I have nowhere near as many issues. Like if I walk into a department store and I go to the men's section and I start smelling the colognes, like they'll just spray it for me. I don't get the, oh, well, the women's yeah. section's over here. They'll just spray it for me because the sale, you know, for me, it's just a sales a sale. Maybe I'm buying it for whoever. They just, spray it for me and i do think there is unfortunately more of a stigma on men who are trying to because it's in the quote-unquote women's section wanting to smell something yes yes and i I guess and i guess maybe traditionally maybe because a lot of women might buy fragrances for their other half um Mm -hmm. not always shouldn't assume but sometimes i guess that might be the thinking or i don't know i guess maybe with men their whole masculinity and this idea of because there has been fragrances I've worn and I've got compliments and they are floral or whatever. And I even had one person say to me, but, but is it, is it for men? Is it, is it for men? And I was kind of just explaining that, well, it's a, it's a female, it's, it's marketed towards women, but it's just, it's a smell, you know, it doesn't have a gender. It, it's just a smell. 
Right. And I think a lot of that over the years has been marketing of like marketing and culture and let's establish what is for the men and for the women and never the twain shall meet type of mindset, which is really unfortunate. You know, we have like whatever for men, which is with the exact same products as what exists for women. It's just marketing, really. I will say Mm -hmm. men have better deodorant than women's deodorant. That I will give you. Oh, Men's deodorant is like 500 times more effective than women's deodorant. <laughs> like most women I know, they're like, no, no, you've got to go try Old Spice. Get the one that you can tolerate and try it and tell me. And they're like, this is so much more effective. <laughs> really? Old Spice. Okay. Interesting. Or Axe or just men's formulated deodorant is far more effective than women's deodorant. And I'm still salty about it, but you know, what are you going to do? It's also cheaper. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you go back into like, at least in the U S there's this concept of the pink tax. So stuff that is like traditionally for women tends to be a little bit more expensive than the masculine counterpart. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it it can be very frustrating. So, you know, a lot of ladies, it's just like, well, I don't need pink razors that cost $3 more. I can just go buy the cheap whatever, uh, you know, for men and I'm good. Why is it $3 more because it's pink? Yeah, that's a bit strange. That's a bit strange. Now, I do have actually quite a few of my female friends who do wear male deodorants and have said that they, they work better with, with them, yeah. They, yeah, they're more effective. Yeah, yeah I don't know why they decided women <laughs> just apparently don't sweat and don't need good deodorant, but that's not real. Sorry, I was going to say, if you ever need uh, deodorant, let me know and I'll ship you some over. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, if that new Penhaligans fragrance ever comes out, I may be like, hey, if I buy this and give you money, can you send it to me? Cool. Do you know, actually, it's really interesting. I noticed that in the US, you guys pay a lot more for your fragrances than mm-hmm. in Europe. A lot more. Uh, a lot of it comes from importing it because it costs so much to import it. So the price gets passed down onto us. It's why uh, Fragrance Buy and Perfume mm. Online, the two Canadian places, do so much business in the US because they sell it at Canadian prices where the import on luxury goods isn't as high. And then they just right. ship it via FedEx to the US. Oh, I see. That's quite clever. No, because I was looking up a few fragrances. I think someone mentioned, I, I don't know, it must have, maybe it was like a Frederick Mal, And someone said it was near enough, almost $400. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's over 400 Most of the Frederick Malls here are upper 300s to 400s. Wow. This is one, it's one scenario where in the United States, unless it is made in the U.S. or it's a well-known designer, niche fragrance is far more expensive for us to try and obtain than it is in Europe. Wow, that's, that's crazy. And some of it we just can't even get. Yeah. It's a shame because we can't even, I couldn't even ship it over to you, could I, with the restrictions? I don't think you're allowed to send perfume overseas. I'm waiting for Selfridges to get that stuff in because you over here, if you pay like $50 a year for just like a standard Selfridges mem- member membership, sorry, then they yeah. will, you get the cheaper prices and then mm. they'll just ship it to you for free. Oh, that's, that's quite clever. So that's it's, it, yeah. I mean, you have to pay, you know, $50, but if you're buying a fairly decent amount of fragrance, then it pays for itself. Yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely, especially in that niche. Mm-hmm. And Selfridges has everything, has absolutely a lot of brands there, a lot of niche brands, so yeah. But yeah, it it is frustrating. Like there there will be times when Roja comes out, like the Roja Burlington 1819. I managed yeah. to get my hands on a five millimeter decant of it. I would love a full bottle of it, love a full bottle of it, but they can't even keep it in stock in the London stores. So the chances of me getting a full bottle of it over here are very low. <laughs> so do you do a lot of blind purchasing or do you do decants or how, because if it's hard for you to go out and sniff certain niche brands, what do you, how do you get around that? I order a lot of samples. Lucky scent over here 
it um, is one of the major niche carriers in the u.s but they do have it where you can order samples from them for like between four to six dollars on average for a little vial Right. Um, and because it is more expensive, I don't want to blind buy and then be stuck with a bottle I don't like. Of course. Sorry, I was going to say I can't do blind buys anymore. If I'm going to spend that much money on it, I'm going to spend the money on it knowing it's something I love. Mm. So I'm, I am, I know other people, I'm not trying to say you can't blind buy. I personally am a big advocate of always sample first. Because you don't know if you're, especially when you're buying niche, if it's not like a surge off, a Roja, or a Creed, you don't know how easily you're even going to be able to try to flip that on one of the fragrance markets. True. That's very true. I mean, I, I always, you know, when you watch these YouTube videos and they like talking about they blind purchased fragrances and not just one, but like a massive fragrance haul. Mm-hmm. I understand in some cases because they're not easy for them to, um, to find where maybe where they're located, but I'm always sort of sitting on the edge of my seat thinking this has given me slight anxiety. Just, just watching this, but also I love, (laughs) I'm the same way. (laughs) Yeah. But I also love going out to, to places like Harrods and Selfridges and just really sampling the fragrances, seeing them up close, seeing the kind of the way they're presented. Like I recently was in Harrods and so, you know, you see all the rosiers and talking to the, the sales staff, which is always nice and having that conversation and asking them, oh, what fragrance do you like? And they recommend a fragrance. Then you get talking and they tell you about the brand. I love all of that stuff. Oh, I'm and- the same way. If Lucky Scent were open, I would obviously be going to Lucky Scent. Um, COVID, unfortunately, in the year 2020 has put a bit of a damper on that for us over here because yeah. California has still been majority shut down. Um, but no, if I lived in London, like every other week, my butt would be over at Harrods or Selfridges, like, or a Penhaligans or a Roja or wherever they have their stores. I would be just going in and that, that would be like how I would have fun. Or I would be going into a watch store. (laughs) I tell you what, when you are able to come to the UK in the future, you have, when you're able to come you have to go up to the sixth floor in harrods and got it's like the perfume yeah they've uh, remodeled it oh, didn't they it's stunning it's so yeah they've remodeled it but you you walk up there and it's just a perfume lover's heaven it's absolutely beautiful i'm so it's, envious oh they've got all we the brands nothing it, like that over here the closest we have is lucky scent but it's you know they it's not an entire floor that's just devoted to the art of perfumery. Why is that? What is it because of shipping restrictions? Because I'm sure the demand is there. The fragrance community in the U.S. is growing, but we don't have this openness for like niche scents over here. It's the predominantly popular scents are like citrus and fresh. And it's been that way since the 90s. Um, You know, there's been a lot of cultural discussion about why that might have been. Like, it might have been a result of, like, the AIDS movement of, like, now everybody has to smell super sterile and clean. I mean, there's just a lot of cultural discussions on why in the U.S. we shifted towards. We weren't always like this. It used to be, like, especially women, the chipre, the dirty kind of like animalics like that was really popular for women animalics especially and some in the 90s as a culmination of a lot of different things culturally we moved to women smell like florals and they smell like fruit and sweet and men smell like very very super clean fresh and Mm. we're only just now kind of starting to move away from that yeah So there hasn't been that demand for like the niche fragrances, like in Europe where it's far more open to, you know, smell like spice and animalics and ouds and, you know, more fougeres even. It's just, we're start, we're only starting to over here to really kind of have that big awakening of, oh, we can smell beyond Dior Sauvage. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. Um, I mean, when I go to um, 
places like Harrods and, and even Fortnum and Mason, it was always interesting because I would see even a lot of tourists, even from the Middle East. And I remember, because I always drag my friend Jemima, sorry, Jemima. She's always a person that I'm like, come on, Jay, we're going to go fragrance sampling. And it's so much fun because she's getting more and more into fragrance because of me. And remember we saw a couple of tourists with just like, baskets and baskets and baskets must have been at least a hundred fragrances between the three of them um that they were gonna purchase and probably take back with them which which blew my mind but um yeah a lot of people do actually come to to places like london to to buy a lot of fragrances just the availability in the u.s is not there yeah i mean you like i said if i if because I live in LA, I can go to Lucky Scent when it's open. Or if you live in like New York or San Francisco, if you live in a major city, you if you're lucky, you have one or two niche stores that carry those types of perfumes, but they're not readily accessible to the average US person. Right, right, right. So right, right. when, you know, if we, if I went to London, I'd be loading up. I would absolutely be loading up and then shipping it back over. Because yeah. just the amount that you have access to, we just don't have in the U.S. There's an yeah. uh, Italian brand, Roberto Ugolini, that I would love to try, but I just can't get him in the U.S. I can't get his stuff in the U.S. Roberto, what's the name, Roberto? Ugolini. Ugolini. He's traditionally bespoke Italian shoes, but he moved into doing some fragrances. Because I love watching Mark Gebauer, or Gebauer, Gebauer, He's a German watch yeah. guy, but he's also super into fragrances and he loves that house. And I'm like, I would love to get my nose on that house, but I just, I can't. Interesting. I'm going to look, look him up, look his creations up. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, what was the brand that I was checking out? Bod- Bodacea the Victorious? Oh, Bodacea the Victorious? Bodacea, that's it. Bodacea. And again, I was just blown away. That was another brand, which... I discovered recently, which is incredible. Another really awesome brand. Um, and in the very perfect, hard to get over here. <laughs> very, I've heard, I've heard it's, it's really hard to, to get in the States. I do enjoy going out and sampling. Mm-hmm. If we're lucky, like Pin Halligans does have a U.S. store. Uh, Surge Off has a U.S. store. So to an extent we can get some of their releases but like that new one from Penhaligans that maybe they didn't mean to release it yet the Great Britain I would love oh. to get my nose on that but we can't get it on the US side oh I see and maybe as well with COVID there's a lot of things that have mm-hmm. been have slowed down as a result oh yeah. for sure uh I Slumber House mm. like they you you can't even get Slumber House anymore <laughs> And I know part of it is like COVID and shipping because there's new restrictions, but in the U S trying to get your hands on anything from slumber house is next to impossible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think hopefully things are are changing in the U S in terms of the demand and appetite for more niche, niche fragrances. So going forward, I think that will change. Growing. Um, the fragrance yeah. fagcom growing helps. I think if we could move it in a place that it's not just, uh, I, there's not a not nice way to put this. Um, if it can move beyond white dudes on YouTube talking about compliment getters and God tier, like panty dropper stuff, I think it would grow a lot quicker and it wouldn't. My concern is because those are the big guys on YouTube and those are the types of people that are starting to flock to it. And I don't want Fragcom to get this reputation of, Oh, well only a certain kind of guy likes this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I do think what's great is I think that is changing. I think that is changing. Um there are definitely more yeah, there are more guys who have varied fragrance reviews and, and options, which is great. I mean you're seeing it more with the females, like mm-hmm. I mean you've had some amazing female guests so like Mina, um Kia and, and there's so many great reviewers, Deborah um eve tara there's loads of great female reviewers there's lots of amazing ones there's probably more room for a wider variety of male reviewers i think um for sure 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, and a lot of them, again, the, a lot of the popular ones are white. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> like, no men of color wear fragrance. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it's just a matter of, like, growing those voices within the community, I think. Yeah, and I, I mean, the whole, like, panty dropper thing, I think that is, let's, let's face it, that's quite juvenile, if we're honest, mm-hmm. and quite quite tasteless of a term panty dropper is a very tasteless term in my opinion to describe a fragrance and very juvenile as well if we're honest I mean I I don't understand why they're I'm trying to say this as nice as possible without sounding super classist but you'll Mm -hmm. see certain YouTube reviewers who are talking about gentlemen's sense to make women love you and you see what they're wearing in their videos and I'm like I'm not saying gentlemen have to wear suits. Yeah. But um, I would not associate how you look right now with a gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. If if that's the message you're putting out, then it has to be coherent across the board. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, there's, there's certain people within the community that I'm, you know, I'm not naming names, but there are certain people in the community that they make their videos and they go on and on and on about getting women. And I'm like, mm. you know, there's, if you're having issues with that, it is not the fragrance. <laughs> yeah. A, it's yeah, how you absolutely. talk about women. Yeah. yeah. How you're I talking mean, about women is a total turnoff. How you're dressed yeah. is you, you look like you're in a frat house and you're in your late thirties. Mm. those two alone you need to fix those before you even think about fragrances to draw in the ladies yeah and to panty drop or or whatever they're Mm -hmm. referring to yeah yeah i I completely agree yeah because otherwise it's just like the axe or i think was it called links over in the uk oh links yeah it's like you're the adult version of that (laughs) that's that's what it comes across as (laughs) a <laughs> links just gives me the worst um memories of of like high school secondary school possible mm-hmm. yeah but yeah no I, I completely agree i think i think yeah just having more nuances um in different types of reviews the way that reviews are presented and i think it is it is definitely changing i think people are bored of certain reviewers and you can see that mm-hmm. um yeah i i don't know i don't and also, even the type of reviewers I watch, I, I do appreciate reviewers who have more than... Because I think the thing about YouTube and, and doing that is I think there's two audiences. There'll be audiences who are really into their fragrances, and there's the ones who are just kind of trying to look up a review of a fragrance. So if you type in, I don't know, um, Dior, Sauvage, and nowadays on Google, a review will pop up, a YouTube review, and someone will click on that and watch it. And I think a lot of these reviewers are trying to always give people what they want because they want the views, they want the um, subscribers, and they want probably to to monetize on that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, and I do think it's like you you can tell who gets free bottles. Yeah. Especially when all of a sudden, like you can tell, like if they're on a list. And all yes. of a sudden, in the same week, you get eight different videos of, is this new release the next Aventus? And I'm like, okay, so that's marketing. Yeah. They sent you all free bottles. <laughs> yes. And what is the obsession with trying to find the next Aventus? That is, everything is compared. Oh, this is a comparison to, it's either Aventus or Baccarat Rouge. But I think it's hype. You know, it's the same thing with sneakers. I think Aventus turned into a hype beast. Mm. So now everybody wants to find the next Aventus. Is this the next Aventus or is this better than Aventus? And you have everybody's like, oh, it's smoky, peppery, pineapple And I'm like, well, okay, but there's other fragrance DNAs out there that are just as good, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I had a has some incredible stuff that is popular that I think is far more palatable or versatile than Aventus and it's cheaper. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I had a very um, bad experience with um, Aventus as well, actually. When I first got more into buying niche, I thought, oh, I'm going to buy this. And again, I think you've spoken about the batch issue with Aventus. Um, I bought it on two separate occasions, once from Harrods and once from Harvey Nichols. And even though I opened it on both occasions, because I could barely smell it after an hour, I returned it. And 
I was just appalled at how this fragrance that's really hyped up has so many issues with their batches. But they've turned it, like, I'll give their marketing machine credit. They turned it into something like Batch Wars, and now everybody wants to get different batches, and it's this weird, like, it's a different type of Rolex model. I'm like, it's smelly water, because they don't have quality control. (laughs) This is not different Rolex models of a Daytona. But who has the time to sit looking up which batch is the best? Or is it the 2016? Is it the two? Who has the time for that? Because it's, it's hype beast. It fell into this realm of hype beast and it's all hype. It's all hype around Aventus. It's not like there's big substance between the batches. It's just, it's all, it's yeah. a hype beast fragrance. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So we have completed our full hour. I do want to thank you again for coming on and speaking with me. And it's always nice that I can talk to people, especially about like why tailoring is so great. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Corey. So thanks again for gets to coming on. Make sure I will put links in the article that comes out with the embed of this episode. So you can go find him on his Instagram and his YouTube. Make sure you check him out. Uh, He's doing some really fun stuff. And if you want to see what London is like, if you're like in my boat and you don't live in London and you wish you could at least go visit, um, it's a great chance to see what London is, especially all the greatness with Harrods and those types of places. So he's a great person to um, check out. And I may try to beg Giz to come back on and talk more tailoring with me. (laughs) Oh, I'd love that. Especially when we get into spring, (laughs) talking about some (laughs) spring fashion. Absolutely. We have to do that again. Yeah, for sure. So again, thank you for joining me. The rest of you, hopefully you're staying safe. Yes. Thank you guys. We'll be back for another episode later.